Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. I'm Josh Peck. And I'm Ben Soffer. And we're, and we're the good the guys. Good guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of guys out wait, wait, there. Just, <laughs> shit, I fucked it. I fucked it. Do <laughs> over time. Okay. I'm Josh Peck. And I'm Ben Soffer. And we're, and we're the good guys. The good guys. <laughs> There's a lot of guys out there. <laughs> and we're the good ones. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get better at that. Look, it's, it's not a perfect science here. We're doing our best. The intro... It'll get there. I think the timing will get there eventually. It'll get there eventually. Well, this is our first episode. Some have been calling it magical. You know, really just sort of steamrolled the world. Um, It was in person. We were lucky enough to be together. And this is our first over Zoom. And it's going to be a little bit different. And it's unfortunate. It's making me want to live much closer to you, Ben. Me too. Me too. It's making me want to live much closer to you too if you didn't live in Los Angeles. But because of where you live, I don't want to live closer to you. I'd prefer to do to do it over Zoom. And uh, but yeah, look, the city yearns for your energy. And uh, if you wanted to come back to Hell's Kitchen, I think it would welcome you pretty quickly. But how if I did live in New York and and then we're also working together? How quickly do we get sick of each other? Uh, how quickly do we get sick of each other? I actually don't think that we would get sick of each other at all because we really are very good at we both work, we have our jobs, and then we talk when it's convenient for both of us. We podcast when it's convenient for both of us. But I think we actually have one of the uh, most normal friendships, period. Like very understanding of each other's time, that each other is busy. So I think that if you lived here... I, I don't think that much of that would change. I think that it would still be a very healthy friendship. I agree. And I think if we were dating, we're in like the middle stage. We're not going steady. So mm-hmm. there's no expectation of like, you're coming with me to family things. I need you to pick me up from the airport. That'd be, if I threw that, I'd be ridiculous. You'd say, oh. Josh, stop it. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. We're right, we're right in that nice. We're still very happy. It's healthy. It's not too serious. It's great. It's great. It should always stay just like this. All relationships. Even with, it's an old Chris Rock joke of like the thing about you know boyfriend and girlfriend is that friend is in the title, Mm. and then Mm. it becomes husband and wife. Little different. Mm. It's actually (laughs) so sad. (laughs) It should be like wife friend. Yeah. Wife friend. It's so. I have a wife. I have a wife friend. Do you have a wife friend? How so? Are you because you're friends with your wife? Yeah, she's my best friend. Ugh, tell me a, more. I have, I have a wife friend now. She's the best. She's the I, best. That's it. Like and like, I don't know. Sure, she gets on my nerves, but that's what friends are. Like the deepest of friendship. You know, we're deep, deep friends. I felt the audience swoon when you mm. just said that, and mm. I'm right there with them. I got to be mm. honest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have a wife. A, I have a wife. Friend at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be thrilled when she listens. <laughs> well, and I think she would say the same about me. Like I, the, the amount of like the amount that we're down for each other on the scale of down for each other couldn't be, couldn't be higher. Mm. I got her back NMW, no matter what, you know what I'm mm. saying? Mm-hmm. We have a child, we own property. We mm. really leveled it up. Mm. So I am interested to to hear what you have to say when you've done all those things, Ben. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we we have a dog. Uh, True. We have uh, co-owned businesses. Oh, Jesus, my alarm went off. Oh, what am I, an amateur? Keep going. You have co-owned businesses. We're all listening. By the way, the alarm is fine. You need to go do something else? Are you busy? <laughs> Never. Not for you. I think you're a little too busy. Honestly, it's my fault because I had to start recording earlier, so that was probably your alarm alerting you that you should record in 15 minutes. So really, it's all my fault. It's my fault. I apologize. It is what it is. But yes, we own a dog together, even though Claudia would say that she owns Theo because she bought Theo. And I just got to tell you, that whole thing, it's really, look, this is my son. This is my son. So whatever. Our boy our businesses so i think that we're we're in this no we don't own property yet together but that is a hundred percent uh just new york state's fault in general (laughs) i don't know how you own property in california it just doesn't make any sense like it's just so it's just so terribly expensive i just don't I, i don't know i don't know if anything i think we should like both move to utah become mormon speaking of more speaking of mormons we were uh, supposed to have a gorgeous guest on this podcast. I, you, I love that segue, Ben. Isn't well it? Done, Speaking sir. of Mormon, she literally <laughs> just, she popped into my brain. It's like, oh, she's a Mormon, Utah, gorgeous. We are supposed to have a gorgeous guest on this podcast, Jeanette McCurdy. New York, is a New York Times bestselling book? It is a wonderful Hardcore. book. Sold out on Amazon, like, faster than the Kindle. Like, a. Uh, uh. Hard body karate, 100% bestseller, unequivocal, no one can debate it. Called I'm Glad My Mom's Dead, really thought-provoking title. We went through it all, heard everything. One-hour interview, really great. Really good. Really Really good, good, just like, and, and just like so much more than just talking about the book. We spoke about Judaism, Mormonism. We spoke about... My first kiss. Josh's first kiss, which maybe we should talk about anyways. (laughs) We spoke about life as a child actor versus life as somebody that watched child actors. It was really just Academy Award winning. And in case you're wondering why we're talking about it as if it passed away... (laughs) (laughs) Welcome welcome to the interview with Jeanette McCurdy-Shiva. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're sitting Shiva for the interview that never was. We recorded it. It was out. It was ready. And because we are good, respectful guys, that's what we do on this pod. We respect women. We're good, we're guys. good guys. And so we were Jeanette, asked not to run it, and we didn't. Yes. Jeanette asked that we didn't run it inevitably, and we want to honor her wishes, but her book is available. We love Jeanette. We love her book. Go buy her book. Go buy her book. Definitely a great book. We love Jeanette. We would love Jeanette a little bit more if we ran the interview, but we still love Jeanette. And while you're buying Jeanette's book, buy my book, because I'm 100% not a New York Times bestseller. And while you're buying Jeanette's book and Josh's book, go to SpritzSociety.com and use code TOAST and buy SpritzSociety, please. Uh, (laughs) What else can we sell here? Is that it? I think we have plenty to sell. I think it's time for a What Are You Nuts? How about our What Are You Nuts moment, Ben? So, as I do every Sunday morning, I walk my gorgeous son, Theo, in the park. And I don't know, do you have dogs? Do you have a dog? Do you ever have dogs? No, I grew up with dogs, and then I just spent eight months shooting a TV show with a dog that was 150 Mm. pounds, a a French Mastiff. Wow. Let me just tell you, this is not a trainable breed. Yeah. If there's ever ever a reboot of the reboot, it's going to either need to be a Chihuahua or a German Shepherd because French Mastiffs, I I kept saying, I was like, we're into this dog for its looks. It's kind of like a supermodel, like very pretty, but not much there. That is an enormous dog. Like Theo's weighing in at 19 pounds and he's like a good amount of pooch. 150. That's insane. Insane. That's that's insane. But, you know, I, uh, mornings, wake up. Put Theo's harness on him. Call him a sexy man. That's what I was going to ask you. I don't know if I'm just if it's just me or if other people do this, but I look at my son Theo, beautiful boy, and I say, "Look at you, you sexy beast. Let's get out there. Go to Central Park. Go running." We go into the park. Pees on. He loves a nice garbage bag. He prefers to pee on garbage bags so that sure. when the garbage man does come, the garbage is as smelly as possible because you have the smelly garbage, and then Theo pees on the exterior of the garbage. I think Have he likes we- the smell. 
have we is that it like uh, it's something we've all accepted that dogs inherently like to pee on garbage but do we know why i think that they like anything that is very fragrant they want to own they want to own the fragrance you know and like peeing is owning yes if a dog was to buy a home they'd pee on the house like that's that's how they own it so peeing on garbage bags going to the park he takes his good shit. He likes to, the way he shits, he circles. He spins until he gets dizzy. Dumps. Hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Does he sudden, bury? Yeah. Does he bury after the of dump? Course. He does. The problem okay. is, though, you're in Central Park. There's some concrete. So sometimes he'll just, like, kick back his feet, even though there's nothing to kick back. It's very cute. He's well, trying his best. It's a primordial instinct, right? Because yeah. the fact that he, it's not a literal kickback. He's doing it for no other reason that thousands of dogs before him did it. To cover it up. Yeah. It's honestly unbelievable. But so, peek out of the corner of my eye, and what do I see? Horse-drawn carriage, Central Park. Ugh. And I just got to tell you, I've been complaining about this for years. First, it was de Blasio. He campaigned on getting rid of horse-drawn carriages. Now we have Eric Adams, horse-drawn carriages. Two weeks ago, I don't know if you saw, there was a horse that passed out in the street. I did. I hosing down. It. They were hosing down the horse. What is it? Eighteen sixty. We don't need horse-drawn carriages to carry around international. Like that's all that it's for, right? It's for the people that come to this country. So I that, get it. That aren't from here to hop on a horse and be rode around. Mm-hmm. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need. Horses belong in two places. One, the wild to a farm. Nothing wrong with a working horse. Horses love to work. I don't speak to them, but I assume that they love to work. They frolic, you know. They have their place. Fair amount of frolic. They have their place. Sure. The city's not their place. It's terrible. So what are you nuts? Get rid of the freaking horses in the park. Get rid of the horses in the city. I don't feel comfortable walking around in the streets of Manhattan. Imagine if you're a horse. What what, what are you doing here? And in the dead of heat in the middle of summer, at least a horse-drawn carriage in the winter, you have the snow... You can almost convince yourself that it's supposed to happen. The middle of the summer in August? I'd rather be anywhere but with a horse in Manhattan. And I'm sorry, they're cold. I know the horses are built for the winter too. Extreme temperature, it's not for these poor animals. They live outside. They have no central air. They have no refreshing beverage. They've never had an Arnold Palmer. They don't know how to cool down. No. And I, I just have to piggyback on it for a second. You're so right. And let me ask you this, when people start complaining about, you know, getting rid of, in quotes, jobs. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Are we having, are we subsidizing the silent movie industry? Like, mm-hmm. are, are, are we uh, trying to bring back the makers of muskets? I don't think so. That time has passed. It's passed. Right? Since Henry Ford, a uh, historical anti-Semite, it, 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 it needs to be said, nevertheless, since we created the car, horses and carriages have been on their way out. And thus they should be. It's a ridiculous vestige of a time gone by. And we need to let it go by and not let the novelty of, to your point, you know, uh, 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 hauling a bunch of Midwesterners around a park. for. And by the way, just monetarily, it's a terrible waste of money. When I was in the city with you a few weeks ago, they now have these rickshaws that are human powered. That I can, that I'm fine with, I guess. They're, all, they're also very stupid. Like, They're very dumb. We have cars and we have bicycles. You need to be bicycled around by another person while you sit in the back and just pray that you don't get T-boned by an 18-wheeler? <laughs> like, it's not a pleasant experience. Like, let me have this random fella drive me around while I sit in the back and think that because I'm so heavy, the front part of the bike is just going to detach from my back part of the bike and I'm just going to be left... It's it's a ter- they're both terrible. I think you're you're on a roll, but they're both terrible. The rickshaw, though, I it's I want to say eight dollars a minute, a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's eighty dollars for a ten minute ride, and as you know, it's pretty much everywhere in in the city is ten minutes. I mean, that's just a waste of money. Do, do a cab. It is a waste of money, and the people that come here, that convert their foreign dollars into American dollars just probably I I would assume that they don't know how much money they're spending because if they knew how much money they were spending like when I go somewhere else 
I don't like see maybe like in the beginning, of course you you know the conversion, you get your money, but then you don't really know sure. how much money you're really spending. It's like, oh, it's I don't know. Name a currency. The euro. Uh, the euro. Twenty euros. I don't really know. Like, sure, you know in the beginning. I'm. Sure, I have to assume that when you come here, and they tell you it's eighty bucks, you're just not thinking about it. Otherwise, I don't know how they stay in business. I don't know how those rickshaws get any business. It enough with the rickshaws. Enough with the horse-drawn carriages. You know, I, I did have a different what are you nuts, but I'm going to amend it and change it on the spot mm. to sort of highlight what you were talking about with young Theo and his peen habits. Mm. Because I have to tell the audience, and this is a what are you nuts moment directed to me, mm. I I have poor peeing habits, which is just, I'm a, I'm a hydrated king, I'm taking in 60 to 80 ounces of fluid a day, start with coffee and natural diuretic, and then it leads to water, I'm doing bubble water, I've got those real Ashkenazi taste buds that mm. loves a nice carbonated sugar-free beverage. Mm. So I constantly have to pee. My wife makes fun of me. I'm not proud of it. I've ruined road trips. <laughs> and the other day, my son can only sleep in the car because he's almost four. So he sort of abandoned the nap, which any parent will tell you is like such a ho- an oasis in the middle of your day that from 12 to 2, you know that child is going to sleep and you're free. You can scroll your phone. You can get work done. You always say you're going to get work done. You just look at TikTok for two hours regardless. So now he'll only sleep in the car, which is okay because I'll drive around. I'll listen to my podcast. But if 20 minutes into his nap I have to pee, this is an emergency because if I stop the car and I open the door, he's going to wake up. But if I don't, I'm going to pee my pants. Mm. So the other day, I couldn't find a restroom. I can't abandon the car. But what I can do is I can, I can pee on the side of the road, right? Because mm-hmm. then I'm right next to the car. And, you know, it's safe. I'm, it's going to take 60 seconds and I'm going to be back in the car. But I did it in, like, the middle of West L.A. What am I, nuts? Mm-hmm. I mean, one cop comes by. It's over. There was mm-hmm. nobody around. Just, like, it was by, like, a semi-busy road. But it was, like, I was sort of shadowed. But there was no chance of some any street traffic seeing me. Or any pedestrian traffic. But if there was a car that came by and saw me, it could be very bad. People who urinate publicly, they can get into a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm directing it to myself. What are you nuts? What was I thinking? I, I, I think it's the first time I've publicly urinated in, you know, a decade. I don't mm-hmm. drink, so I never do that. But I, I you know what? Am I going to get canceled for this? I don't think so because you didn't get caught. That being but- said, you are talking about the fact that you weren't caught. No, you're not going to get canceled. This isn't a cancelable offense. And if I had to guess, in New York, they de Blasio decriminalized urinating. Mm. I'm sure that Los Angeles followed suit. Are you positive that it's illegal to pee in the streets of L.A.? I've heard it said that if, God forbid, someone saw your piece out while you're peeing publicly, that you could then be charged as a sex offender. That's for public indecency. Pee- but that's only if you're peeing in a playground. Were you peeing on no, a slide? No, just in public. No, it's like public indecency that you showed your private bits to, you know, really? a nice uh, Gen Xer walking around listening to Ben Shapiro. Wow, that just sounds like it just, is, just isn't right. Yeah. You're, not t- you're taking it out because you need to, not because you want to. And not because you want somebody else to see it. I think you're fine. It sounds like a traumatic experience. I'm happy you learned from it. But I think <laughs> I but did I do, indeed. But I do think that you're okay. I, it I was an emergency. I had to go. My young child was asleep. No one saw. It was quasi private in a public place. And it would have happened in the car. I had to do it. You had to do it. You had to do it. All right. That's so fine. I'm dying to know because your beautiful mother, mother, Mama Safar, it was her mm. birthday this weekend. And yes. I love a parent's birthday, especially when said parent is in their 60s and they're adult, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. forgive me. And, no, she is. And that when you're, I'm fascinated by parents' birthdays with adult children. So Ben, mm. take us away. We had a very kid birthday Friday. Me and my sister took my mom mini golfing. There's Fun. this new uh, place in, in the city. It's called Swingers, 
which no, it's not what it sounds like. But I think they do that on purpose, right? They sure. get you with the title, so you think that you're going there to switch partners and have sex with each other, but really it's just swingers, like you're swinging a mini golf club. Is it and that, or there's a famous diner in L.A. called Swingers, from the movie Swingers, that is kind of like old 60s. Is it any of that? No, it was very, I think it's just simply a play on swinging a club. It Fair. was very modern. It was very nice. It's Had like that couple- other club, Group Sex. Yes, same, same, same thing. That's why I brought my mom there, and uh, we had a couple of beverages. Uh, first nine holes, I only won by one. It was terrible. Second nine, though, I really blew the doors off him. I take great pride in beating my mother in mini golf. And then from there, Claudia met us, and we went out to dinner uh, with my dad and my sister and my mom, and it was lovely. And actually, the Mater D came up to Claudia and gave her a cake that said congrats on 100,000 because Claudia recently hit 100,000 subs on YouTube, which, made, which, was, which was a big accomplishment for her. So it was a lovely time. Mama Stopper had a beautiful time. Uh, we got her tickets to a Broadway show the next day called Six the Musical that she absolutely hated. She said it scared her. And it's funny, I've never known one show. My mom loves Broadway shows. Literally, if you put anybody on stage, she's going to love it. So the fact that she didn't love it, I'm sorry not to, like, be Sandy Kenyon in the Eyewitness News movie minute type of... It, it's just no... Uh, it's no good. He, he would have given it a poor rating. So, uh, but yes, it was a lovely birthday. Thank you for asking. It was, it was lovely. I love that. Funny enough, I am I'm recently in a, a Netflix musical called 13 the Musical. Mm. And it's a lovely kid-driven musical, great movie, and I love my wife because she she really keeps me grounded because despite the fact that the, the musical is really not for us. It's for kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's very well done. She can't abstain from totally roasting me for my part in the movie. And it's just because it's a lovely, glossy, feel-good type thing. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's trying to break new ground. It's just like a wonderful, feel-good movie. And she just... I think it's because she has this aversion to musicals because she comes from a sports family from Sacramento. I mean, these people, they're they're not like us, Ben. No. Um, But she just totally roasted me. But my my question to you is um, a few things. First, play mini golf with your mother and your family. Mm. You're a golfer, and you're pretty good. You put it up on the Instagram a lot, a proper 18-hole golfer. Mm. When you're not the most proficient at mini golf, a novelty game, Mm. does it upset you? Oh, yeah. I bet. Yes, Yes. it does. And it would. It would. Yeah, because it's like, even though it's very different, you're hitting it through, like, uh, hoops, and you're hitting it. Like, mini golf is like, you know, mini golf. It's it's difficult and it's different. But yes, if I play poor mini golf, I'm certainly unhappy. Yes. I'm like, Ben, what are you doing? You've been practicing forever for this. Don't embarrass yourself. But that's why I avoid golf in general. And when people say, you have great access, you could be on great courses, you're in Southern California, you're surrounded by it, I go, I have enough to be frustrated about at 35. I don't need to introduce new frustration. What are your, what are your hobbies? I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm. Do, you ha- do you have any hobbies? Because that's, it's my hobby. Like, I will do it. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a big reader. Claudia loves to read, which, teaser. We'll talk about that story later. Claudia loves to read. I play golf. What are your hobbies? I have no hobbies. I don't like mm. to do anything that doesn't make me money. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, then you need to become a professional golfer. I mean, that's really the, it's the only way. All the anti-Semites listening to this going, these Jews are checking all the boxes. <laughs> we knew it. Um, I like golfing or I'm golfing. I like, I'm, I'm a bit of a reader. I love, I like to just take walks at night and listen to podcasts. I consume a lot of, I just, the way I take in information. And so I'll listen to this podcast called pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. And they're talking twice a week about the major news stories of the week. So that with like Bill Maher, 
and maybe one thing else I feel like, okay, I'm properly up to date with what's going on in the world with like a smart sort of take on things that I usually agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, I play piano. I like playing music. Mm. Uh, and I do some writing, but the writing is part of my work. So it's all kind of hovers around that. But I find I'm able to embrace Jerry Seinfeld has this great quote where he says, it's not about quality time with your kids. Junk time is good, too. All Mm. time is good with your kids. And I find that I'm most able to sort of let go of that, you know, unending need for ambition and to be productive when I'm with my son and I do everything I wish someone had done with me as a kid. We're going mini golfing. We're going to the arcade. I'm, you know, whatever. We, We have a great time. So with him... I can sort of de-stress. That is our second awe moment of the episode. That was beautiful. <laughs> it is. Max is a lucky, lucky fella. He is. We're he both is. lucky. I'm a big yeah. fan. You know, it, it, what's fascinating, and much respect to the people who don't want kids, but you know in your 20s, and tell me if I'm projecting, Ben, where you just become cynical, where everything kind of sucks, and you're oh, just yeah. like... Yeah, that's right. right? That's right now. That's right now. Like, everything kind of sucks. Outside of work is great, everything, like, Claudia is great, but when we go to do anything, it's now like, oh, this is going to suck. Like, oh, we're going to a party? This is going to suck. You know what I mean? Like, the only time that things don't suck is, like, if you're, like, planning a trip with great people, time's not going to suck. But most of the time, it's like I'm leaving the house, it's probably going to suck. And I'm probably just going to be excited to come home. Is that what you're describing? That's exactly right. So I suffered from that deeply. And the only thing that um, interrupts that feedback loop is having a kid. and mm-hmm. makes you have a new appreciation for everything. Yesterday, my cousin was in town. She was staying at this beautiful resort in Palos Verdes, California. Wow, and my son and I, we went. We saw her. She said, come to the pool. It's this beautiful family kids pool. I'm going to say it at the Terranea Resort. Terranea, we're open to sponsorships or just a trade or we'll just come have lunch on you. Whatever <laughs> sounds good. Um, but <laughs> and she said, come. So we went to the pool. It was fabulous. My son went on a water slide for the first time. He's three and a half. A hot tub for the first time. I don't know if that's good, you know, anatomically for a three and a half year old. Don't write me. Don't come in my DMs. I'm not going to read them. Um, it's also and, just covered in feces. That's also <laughs> something from the last episode that I need to insert back in because the old episode is dead. But we did speak about hot tubs and how the fecal matter comes out from under the asses of everybody that sits in the hot tub and comes to the top. So you're going to need to check Max for fecal matter. But that's besides I, the point. I'm sure there's plenty on him and most of it, most of it is his. But I... Uh, <laughs> Thank God. I, we just had the best time and he would look at me and be like how like how great is this and i would say it's so great you're right this is great and kids do a great job of waking you up to that if you know if you want it to that is so cute <laughs> you're going to be a great dad ben what a cutie i can't wait i really can't wait should we get to our stories yeah it's funny i was thinking of which way we want to take it because you said two things that prompted to this is like one of those books where it's like pick your ending you can pick our our ending here okay you mentioned water slides i'd yes. love to talk about six flags i don't know if you saw that did you see the story about six flags and how i the, did go yeah. for so it I, so i want to talk all right so let's go go in that direction love so, that so apparently people are on this roller coaster and the roller coaster malfunctioned 12 people left injured back pain all this stuff and it made me think i've been on some crazy roller coasters in my day and i was always I, was, I never, ever liked them. I was the one, we'd go to Six Flags, and everybody would say, let's go on King Dakar. And I'm like, why the hell do I want to go on King Dakar? It's so scary. I don't need to be going on anything called King Dakar. I don't need a bungee jump. I don't need to do any of that. I prefer, like, sit on the ground, go, like, teacups at Disney World. I never liked roller coasters. And then all of a sudden, peer pressure sinks in, right? And sure. you're forced to go on these things. And so I do them, and I have this memory of going on one that's like, 200 feet high I literally you get to the top and you're like holy shit am I gonna fly out but you just say to yourself no the people who built this roller coaster built it safely so that I will not fly out Hmm. is that even true 
We trust, literally, when were these built? A lot of these, like, sure, the Six Flags, I assume they're new roller coasters, but most of the country is filled with roller coasters from the 1980s, the same way that in Miami, a couple of months ago, you just had those buildings collapsing because they were built in the 60s and 50s and nobody bothered to check the infrastructure. Are people really going to amusement parks and checking that the beams aren't slowly decaying? Or are they just taking $60, people are coming in, going on them, and eventually a family is going to be up in a roller coaster and it's just going to crash? So I think there are a healthy amount of redundancies in place at somewhere like Six Flags, at a Disneyland, at a Universal Studios, for sure. I think everything else is a crapshoot. I think if you're getting on the cyclone at Coney Island, may God be with you. I think if you're going on a traveling carnival roller coaster that's parked in your local park for two weekends in a row, you're nuts. What are you, nuts? Nuts. 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 What about those swings? You know those like scary swings that like go in a circle. You sit on them and the thing starts turning. And oh turning my god! And, turning and, w- and turning. It, one chain one breaks. It's over. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> one, one chain breaks and it's over. And it's just like, what about us as humans? You mentioned earlier that Theo kicks back his paws because of ancestral just need and desire. What is it about us that we crave fear like that? that we crave intensity to pay money to sit on a swing going in a circle thinking that it might snap. We're too comfortable because we've lost our fear of freezing to death. We're too fucking comfortable. Yeah, it's first world problems. And our body is is dying for surges of adrenaline. And most people don't want to get that in going for a run every day or, you know, some sort of physical labor, they're like, no, no, I'd rather spend $200 and put my life on the line at this Bush Gardens. Do you do any of these uh, ice plunges? You ever do those? Oh, it's the best. Ben, you got to do it. Yeah. Well, that's like, that is part but of... That's, but that's kind of the same thing, right? Like, we're cr- our bodies craving the endorphins that come from us getting to a level of freezing. Yes, but the the freezing repairs doing the ice plunge pays dividends. I don't I'm not other than life experience, I don't think roller coasters pay dividends. And, <laughs> and it's reparative. Like I'm a big fan of any therapy that has been employed for thousands of years, right? So hot and cold, I'm sure there are people that, you know, in the Roman Empire that were putting ice on a sprained ankle. They must have mm-hmm. just known. I, actually, I don't know how they'd make ice back then. I digress. Regardless, there was some version of like, but you know what it is? It's hermetic stressors. And a friend of mine, Ben Greenfield, he's like a crazy health and wellness guy, really, really smart. He's like, a hermetic stressor is something that tells your body that it might be dying. And so the response is this flood of endorphins, right? So when you're in the sun for 20 or 30 minutes a day, you have a hermetic response. It's a hermetic stressor. You have a response and you get those vitamins. You get a little bit of that good feeling from the sun. Same thing with working out. You start sweating, you're schwitzing, your body goes into a preservation mode and thus you feel better. And it's the same thing with the ice in the hot. Interesting. Very interesting. I've never done it. I do love a cold shower. Cold mm-hmm. showers are really nice. Um, but I've never I've never done that. But I am very into all of that, so I will I will try it. I will try an ice plunge. Um, the other direction that I was gonna take it in before was asking I asked you if you read. Does Paige read? She does, yeah. She'll go on fits, like um she'll start reading a couple things for like two or three months, she'll knock out three or four books, and then she might not read for a couple months. But when she does, she goes on a crazy book tear. So Claudia has recently become addicted to reading. Addicted. I see that. Yes. Addicted. She's addicted. a Kindle gal. Yes, she's a Kindle gal. And like, not to be selfish, but we used to hop in bed, turn on some TV, watch some friends. Now it's just book. And I can't turn on the TV because if I'm watching TV, she's disturbed with the reading. Yes. So all of a sudden, her reading, honestly, has become an incredible inconvenience for me. And me talking about it 
being an inconvenience that she's now a reader has led the Morning Toast community to say that I do not support literate women. Oh, Lord. That that literacy in women is not something that I promote. And I wanted to come on here and just say publicly that that is 100% true. Women shouldn't be allowed to read. No, I'm just kidding. Vote. Thank you. Finally. I knew it would take a couple podcasts, but I'm glad by episode two, we're really getting it out there. No, women should be allowed to read. Men should be allowed to read. Let's sit. We're now going all the way to the bottom. I support literate women. I also support women that can balance reading and maybe watching a good show. I see that. Speaking do you watch Game of Thrones? Did you watch Game of Thrones? Are you watching no, House of Dragon? I, you know, I got to be honest, and I don't know this, if this is boomer of me, but I have no interest. You? It's really good. I loved Game of Thrones, and House of Dragon started last week, which is like the new, it's a prequel, yes. and the first episode was amazing, really gory birth scenes, so if you have any issue with gore, it was, it was really insane, but the I, new episode is tonight, and I'm thinking, are we going to watch it? Or Should is she going to be reading? Is that our show? I like House of Dragon. Interesting. And I saw that Claudia spoke about House of Dragon. So did you guys just not watch it together? Are you no, more no. upset that she's watching shows on her own time? And maybe you guys are missing out on your, your couple's bonding sort of thing. No, no, no. We watched House of Dragon together. So really, I'm picking a fight that doesn't exist. And we'll <laughs> probably watch House of Dragon tonight. But in general, yes. Claudia's schedule is far more flexible than mine. She watches a ton of TV on her own time. And then when it's time for me to watch TV, I have to watch her read. So I'm sorry. It is what it is. I support literate women. Women make the world go round, especially when they have a book in their hand. But maybe it would be nice if we could just go back to watching Friends. That's all. That's I get all. it. It's especially because I never even liked Friends until I met Claudia. And then she turned me into a Friends fan. It's much deeper than it seems, Josh. I know you probably don't like Friends either. It's deeper than it seems. I have no interest in Friends, so tell me why it's deeper than it seems. I just think that the characters are actually quite funny. And when you sort of dig into it... Brilliantly done. I just enjoy, enjoy that type of show, where they go deep on characters for a ton of seasons. You see the way that they evolve, and it's funny. That's it. It, I, I, did Matthew Perry ever win an Emmy for for Friends? It's an awesome question that I don't know the answer to. Matthew Perry is gives one a, a, a just an icon. They all are brilliant on the show, but he, him in particular, and also Lisa Kudrow, like iconic performances. And then, do you remember when he did the movie The Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis and Amanda yes. Peet? His level of physical, like the how adept he is at physical comedy in that movie, I think he's underappreciated. And I don't know, maybe you know he had his own path to walk that perhaps didn't allow for him to be like right in the in 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 the limelight the whole time. But he's very good. I think that they're he also, all good. I think he also struggled with some stuff off camera that may have had That's an right. effect on that. I mean, but if, think- as a as a Friends fan, you watch him go up and down a hundred pounds really quickly. Like in one there. Yeah. But uh, yes, (laughs) same, (laughs) same. I've, I've gained and lost 60 pounds twice. Fun fact. Um, don't forget that because I do want to go back to that. I but and think about it. Six people on that show. If there's one person who transitions into like the big leagues from a show like that, not that that's not the big leagues, but you know, goes on to do great work. That says a lot. All six of them, first of all, none of them are a problem. If anything, Matthew Perry had sort of the most public sort of challenge, and he's still killing it. But they're all so good and have continued to have, like, great success. It's almost funny that the only – the one who was supposedly the funniest on the show, Matt LeBlanc, is probably the least successful. He's the one who translated the least, in my opinion, post-Friends – but Jennifer Aniston, obviously crushing it. Lisa Kudrow is one of my favorites ever. I think brilliant, she's brilliant. hilarious. Uh, and David Schwimmer, I mean, he, I do think that his best work was in that show. He's so much funnier. Again, you have to just give it a chance. When you give it a chance, I think he's very funny. 
And then what else is he really in? I he's guess, he's a director. He's a big oh, he director. Is. Yeah. Oh, he is. Oh, that's cool. Good for him. Um, I, you know, it's funny because having grown up on sitcoms and being in one that was very well known as a kid and, and now even doing How I Met Your Father for Hulu, you know, there's always been a part of me that's resisted that format just because I'm so used to it and I've always wanted to challenge myself and hopefully try to do movies or, or one hour television drama. And then I went to Courtney Cox's house two and a half years ago and I said, it'd be nice to do another sitcom. She is so fucking rich, Ben. This house is so stunning. And she's like, why don't we shoot on my tennis court? I said, you have a tennis court in Malibu? She's like, yes, next to my beach view. And I said, I can't take it. Yeah, I mean, mean, yes, they made a ton of money. They made a ton of money. Um, So here's an interesting news story I wanted to share. Here comes the shroom. Booze traded for psychedelics at weddings. There's a super interesting trend, trading mushrooms for booze. Lots of folks, especially millennials, don't want that awful champagne hangover the next day, so they're choosing to party with hallucinogenic mushrooms, usually in the form of tasty chocolates, and that's from TMZ. Shout out my buddy Matt. Ben, thoughts? Uh, Hallucinogenics are fantastic. Uh, (laughs) I've dabbled in mushrooms, and I truly do enjoy them. I've never been the type of person that overdoes anything like that, so I've only taken enough to be happy, but not too much to ever be uncomfortable. Uh, I am definitely pro-mushroom, though. I think that at a wedding, though, it seems like a really crazy thing to be handing out. Like, I get, like, people... It's funny, I don't know where that article came from. Maybe that's, like, an L.A. thing, but, like... In New York, we're just getting comfortable with having, like, trays of joints. Like, somebody hands you, like, weed, which everyone, really, everybody smokes weed. Yes. And so it's not abnormal, or it's not weird to think that people would want to smoke weed at a wedding. It would make you happy, you'd giggle, you'd have a nice time. To hand out chocolate mushrooms at a wedding, I refuse to believe that this is a macro trend. I like the idea, but it's still too... What's the right word? Um, uh, to on the, the per, not the periphery, but I know what you mean. Not, not risky, but it's like too... Avant-garde. Sure, sure. We'll take <laughs> it. We'll take it. It's too, it, it's just, it, I, I just don't see it. Like you're going to do mushrooms in front of your parents at the wedding? Or is your mom, are your mom and dad also going to do mushrooms? What about your grandma? You're going to walk up to your grandma who's 90 years old and say that you're shrooming? It's... So my opinion, mushrooms, great for a wedding. I don't buy it. You? I agree. Look, I think that alcohol and its effect, except for spritz, of course, one of the greats. I think like alcohol in in many ways can be, if overdone, is as dam- is far more damaging than, than marijuana for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we've just accepted it because it's part of the lexicon, right? They, they talk about wine in the Bible. Like, yep. We, we've been drinking for since the beginning of time. So I think, you know, booze alternatives, except for a spritz, is not a bad idea for big events such as this. Um, I totally agree. And by the way, Spritz Society was founded on the idea that you don't need to overdrink to have a nice time. Truly. Right. Like it's meant to be. You have a couple, but you're not downing shots. They're 6%. It's not like a heavy, heavy deal because I completely agree with you. Doing ten shot like doing ten shots of vodka is far worse than doing a bunch of chocolate mushrooms on your body. Well, it's like that TikTok trend where people are like, "Hi, I'm Josh Peck, and this is my first drink." And then yeah. four hours later, it's, "I'm I'm Rick Moranis, and I hate <laughs> I, I hate lizards." Like you know, it's just Rick Moranis, <laughs> honey. I shrunk the kids. Yeah, what a movie! What a guy! What a guy. I I, I have a a little... I agreed with you. Everything in moderation is great if you can do it and have a nice time and not, like, be too strung out that you run up to someone's father and say, like, I I hope that my dead relatives are proud of me because you're so lit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, then that's what I would do. But I think it's important to remember... And I, too, have dabbled in mushrooms. I did them a handful of times when uh, before I got sober. And I'm appreciative that I did it because I feel like some 
some secrets of the universe or some universal truths were became more clear when I was some cosmic geometry uh, became more clear while I was under the influence of that. Nevertheless, I think like this whole trend of microdosing medicinal marijuana, call it what it is. Is there a very small percentage of people that are maybe working through some things with the help of hallucinogens? Of course. Are there certain people that have issues with nausea or glaucoma or truly can't sleep where like marijuana is helpful or pain in an athlete or whatever. Shout out Brittany Griner, you know, unfairly imprisoned in fucking Russia. Like that an athlete used marijuana instead of pain pills to sort of take care of their body at the end of a game. Much respect. But I think more so people are totally, the vast majority of the public is lying to themselves. I'm like, you're not microdosing, you're walking around slightly lit all day. Stop lying to yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was at dinner, this is probably six months ago. A guy across from me, I had never met him before, but he was like a nice, uh, respected guy amongst the group of people that I was with. And he asked me if I wanted to do some ketamine. Mm. And I said... I said, no, like, that's not really, like, I'm at dinner. Like, I'm not, I'm not really in the, in the mood for ketamine. You're like, I'm, I'm having a, I'm having, dessert. I'm having a salad. Like, <laughs> no. Um, and he says, no, 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 like, I'm prescribed it. I'm like, you're prescribed ketamine. Takes it out of his pocket. It's in essentially a gum packet. You know, like those dentine ice where you push them out. He pushes out a little thing of ketamine, eats it. He says that he has it for his back pain. And I'm thinking to myself... This man is a drug addict. And whatever here is going on, like, you do ketamine every day and you've convinced yourself that it's helping with your back pain? Like, I'm sorry. Maybe it is helping with your back pain because you don't feel anything. Like, That's right. I, I, like if you feel nothing, all pain goes away. So I get it, but that doesn't mean that you're not just being prescribed drugs by your doctor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, you can microdose every day, but... You're just addicted to drugs. I think that's that's perfectly said, Ben, and leads us to our last and final story before advice. The New York Post writes, Hollywood hungry for Golden Globe's return. Mm. Um, after the 2022 award show was banished by NBC over a lack of diversity, as well as alleged ethical missteps, Hollywood is now buzzing that it might be back in 2023. What are your feelings on award show, Ben? Because I have a lot. I was going to say, I'd love to hear yours first. You're, uh, you're sort of in the thick of it. I can speak to it from the consumer perspective, but I would love to hear it from the horse's mouth, as they say. I dreamt of winning an Academy Award my entire life. I would watch acceptance speeches as a kid the way that, I don't know, an athlete would watch you know, the NBA Finals or something. There are some great ones when Adrian Brody wins for the pianist because he was like against Jack Nicholson and I think Daniel Day-Lewis and was such like a long shot and he won. When Robin Williams won for Goodwill Hunting and he's hugging, oh. you know, a 28-year-old Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and, and, and the audience goes nuts because he was such like a treasure for so long and had never won. That being said, now at 35 <laughs> and while I would still love to win, these award shows are ridiculous it's completely subjective. There's no points in the arts. So there is no clear winner in quotes. I'm the only winner in an award show are the producers who are making money from the show. I think the whole thing is kind of silly. I think the less award shows, the better. I think everyone's getting hip to that. And, and this is a tangent. I'm so not looking forward to the 2023 Academy Awards with every tongue-in-cheek joke about Will Smith. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I started to feel that award shows as a consumer were uh, just really fraudulent when you take a look at something like the ESPYs, which is a newer award show, and you have awards like Best Teammate, and you're like, that has no fucking effect on the NBA or right. these players or their contracts, and you realize that the only reason the ESPYs exists is so that they can get ad revenue. And that's the only reason the Globes exists. That's the only reason the Academy Awards exists at this point. Like, in my past life, working in marketing, I would do I did buying for AT&T, for example. And I would buy ads on the Golden Globes, and you realize how much money these things cost 
Like, it's the same thing with the Super Bowl. All of this. It's just, it, you go down a really dark rabbit hole. Give I us, actually don't like one. Give yeah. us a ballpark without violating your NDA. <laughs> How I much mean, do they cost? Millions of dollars. Right. Like, like it's, your, your ad buys are millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. You're, you're going cross-functional. You're first buying, like, a spot on the Globes. Then you're buying uh, in, like, keywording tweets. So, like, when somebody, if Jennifer Aniston is popping off, you'll have, like, uh, your ads pop out. When somebody searches Jennifer Aniston, you'll run pre-roll on YouTube. You're going cross-functional, and these ads are, these buys are millions and millions of dollars. So the amount of money that the Globes makes by coming back, probably incredibly lucrative for them, so it makes sense. Uh, but I also always found that maybe it's just because I wasn't the one watching these shows. I never knew any of the shows on the Golden Globes, ever. Right. Like, the Academy Awards, like, you at least try and... You used to try to make a conscious effort to watch the ones that you knew were going to get nominated. But the Globes, I don't know. I just never... What's it, what is the Globes for again? Is the Globes TV? Or it's, that's Emmy? No, it's TV and movies, and it's the foreign critics. So then what's the, po- so then what's the point? So you have a, the Academy Awards for movies, you have the Emmys for TVs, and then you have the Globes for TVs and movies? Yeah, it's... I, is it is Golden Globes just maybe Golden Globes is just movies and I don't know what I'm saying, but it's so then you have the Academy Awards for movies and the Globes for movies. There's definitely some crossover, yes, because it's award season in quotes, right? So it's mm-hmm. Golden Globes, but I want to say there's a TV. I could be crazy, I don't know, but yeah, it's like the Screen Actors Guild, the Critics Awards. The the Golden Globes, the Academy Awards. Then there's the BAFTAs in there, the British Academy Awards. It's a whole mm. thing. Did you see a movie this year that you loved? I haven't. I, I mean, I've heard good things about Top Gun. I haven't seen it. It was um, amazing. I believe it. Uh, no, I haven't really seen anything that like... And again, there's so... Like, remember Juno? You know, yes. remember like when it was such... It, it would spread, or I remember like Million Dollar Baby for Hillary Swank, or these movies, or even uh, No Country for Old Men, or There Will Be Blood. Like, there were these moments, DiCaprio and The Aviator, where everybody was talking about it, but there's just so much content now that I don't think everyone can be bothered to be on the same page of like what's worth watching. Is that what it is, that there's just so much content that now everybody's attention is spread too thin and people just don't care enough? Or is it Gen Z not caring at all about award shows? Like, what is it? Because I totally agree with you. The the award shows have completely changed. I think people got hip to that it's a ruse, that they got over the pomp and circumstance of it all and just realized that it's a money-making scheme. And by the way, like, the NBA and the MLB and the NFL, they're only um, dedicated to servicing their banks. Like, they yeah. they only care about the money at the end of the day. But there's something, there's some justice to this idea that the person with the best record, in theory, will win. Like, there's yeah. some undebatable truths about that. But with acting and movies, it's subjective. Yeah. It's funny that you brought up Will Smith and your fear that the Globes will be all about Will Smith, because when I was watching... Uh, what 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 award show was it for Will Smith? The Academy Award. Academy Awards. When we were watching the Academy Awards, I remember turning to Claudia and saying, I haven't watched the Academy Awards in so long. This was so unbelievably entertaining. I think I said this to you too, that I thought that it was staged. At first I was like, the Academy is so smart. They're going to have Will Smith get up, slap Chris Rock so people talk about the awards. Clearly, I was wrong. <laughs> Clearly, it was not something that was staged, but it would have been genius marketing. Nothing better than that to get people talking about the award shows. Ben, I think it's time we give some advice before we go. I think we should. I think we should. You want to start with one or you want me to start? You start because we're, yeah, I think like maybe we'll just do one. Okay, let's do one. We got a bunch we got a bunch of submissions, and we're going to try to do this every week, right? Love it. So where should, where should case, people send questions for the future people, apps? People should DM me or they should DM you. I think we just scour the DMs, find them, 
or I put up a poll last time and people responded to my poll. So maybe we'll just, maybe you'll do the poll this week. I did a poll last week, but I have hundreds of advice questions. I'm just going to pick one and we'll try to answer, answer a couple every week. They'll always stay anonymous, but I think it's a fun segment. And you can DM, DM us at at Peck or at with boy with no job. Ben, take yes. it away. Yes. Okay. My sister is dating a deadbeat. How can I just stick around and watch her waste her life away? Oof, that's rough. Now, I picked this one because I wanted to make a sort of macro statement that I think is important. You can watch your sister waste her life away because she's happy. Unless your sister is in some kind of bad relationship with this deadbeat where he is harming her or where he is having a negative effect on her life from her perspective, just because somebody is married to or dating somebody that is not up to your standards does not mean that somebody else can't find happiness with them. So quite deep, but I think that things like that are often subjective. And just because a guy doesn't have the best job for you or a guy doesn't have the humor for you, it is possible that your sister feels differently. And I think that, again, as long as there's nothing bad going on, that you should be supportive of the person that your family chooses to spend their life with. I think that's so well said. And only in addition, I will say, and if you do act righteous or you feel like it's unacceptable and you must be heard, you risk turning off said sibling by putting your foot down so that eventually when things do get a little rocky and they probably will, cause you have to have faith that your sibling is smart and lovely the way they were before this person, that eventually they will come out from the spell that this deadbeat POS is, is casting on them. And that when they're finally sort of on the edge of walking away, you want them to be able to come to you and seek your counsel. And they'll make it clear when they really want your opinion, when they're ready to go. And yep. if, if you mess that up beforehand by just being petulant and pissed that they're not listening to you, they might not come to you for, for advice. And that would be mm -hmm. upsetting and also might end up with them staying in the relationship longer because they just want to prove you wrong. Well said. It's funny. These questions are always tough because you get one line. I need the whole story. Is he right. really a deadbeat? Can I get somebody else's perspective? Because if he's really a deadbeat piece of shit, you should probably let her know, but she probably knows, right? How oh. do you not know? If they're truly a deadbeat piece of shit, then you know, and then somebody needs to intervene. So we don't have enough information, honestly, to, to give proper advice here. I regret picking the question. Don't regret it. Don't dare you regret it. And nothing will tell you more about your friend, especially in your late 20s and early 30s, when classically, when people start to partner up. Nothing will reveal more to you about someone you might have known your whole life than the partner that they pick, of what mm. they need. Like, if you have a buddy who's with some bombshell, stunning girl who like really sucks, has nothing to offer, but she's like a stunner, then it reveals to you like, oh, this is what he needed. Like mm -hmm. he was so deeply insecure about what everyone thought that having mm -hmm. this like trophy on his arm makes him feel complete. So mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate reality, but having queens like Claudia Oshry and my wife, Paige Peck, really shows what kind of true blue wonderful guys we are because we pick the best totally and they pick trophies clearly yeah. they are shallow they picked us for our looks and our <laughs> looks only so that they could hold us on their arm and feel adequate <laughs> the, both our wives married up and i think we can end on that <laughs> oh oh i certainly agree guys thank you so much for joining episode two of good guys podcast i'm ben soffer I'm Josh Peck. And you can listen to us every Monday. We're dropping new episodes. Find us on Spotify, Apple. Claudia does this better. They say Stitcher. There are a bunch of other podcast places where I think you can find us. Maybe iHeartRadio. Is that true? Maybe it's not true. Wherever you can find podcasts, I believe this show is going to be distributed. I choose Apple. You choose wherever you want. And Again, feel, and feel yeah. free to rate and review the podcast. Ah, it yes. helps if you're into that sort of yes. thing. Yes. 
rate and review unless you're going to give anything less than five stars. Then keep your opinion to yourself. Okay? You know, so I, I, I quickly, the last thing, because I want to, I, I, it must be said, I was reading the reviews for our podcast because I'm a glutton for punishment. And most people <laughs> were over the moon. And one guy absolutely hated it. And I thought it had, he had somewhat of a hilarious <laughs> review, which was the subject was whiny old men with one star. Oy vey, was hoping for something better. Two whiny old men in younger bodies. Man up. Here's what I have to say to you, sir. If you're looking for a podcast hosted by real men, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. This is, we are whiny old men in young bodies. That's the shtick. <laughs> That's what this is. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you nuts? 